Welcome back to the Women in Engineering podcast. This is Stephanie Alexandrick, your host. Today, I am joined by Vicki Fecteau, who was the first female student to graduate from Western Engineering in 1966. She is joining us today to talk about her experience and to provide some insight into what being an engineer means. Hi, Vicki. How are you today? Hi, Stephanie. Fine, thanks. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Okay, uh, jumping right into the questions, I have a few for you. The first one is, what was your childhood like and how did it lead to your interest in engineering? Well, I was born in the right place at the right time. I always say that I won the lottery the day that I was born. I grew up in Belleville, Ontario, where we had excellent public schools. Uh, in grade 13 at that time, um, they had province-wide exams. So I was fairly good at math and science, uh, not so much English and history, but my marks could be compared with any other applicant for engineering because we all wrote the same exams. And I had always admired women who went into traditionally male occupations. So that's why I applied for engineering at Western. Um, I had a similar, or not, I guess similar, I was doing pretty well in my, in my subjects as well in high school. And my inspiration kind of came from my uncle actually, who he never uh, saw engineering as being a male profession. I was like, I was capable in those subjects. And so he pushed me towards that because he didn't see any, um, I guess, any reason why not to. And that's how, kind of how I got into it as well. Mm -hmm. It was it it's was, good, good to have a supportive family, and my family was supportive too. That's awesome. Yeah, that's honestly uh, a lot of or a lot of women that I've talked to. That is uh, definitely where it starts: is having family and friends that support the career that you're going into. Okay, uh, next one. What was it like being the first female engineering student at Western? Well, at the beginning of my first year, I had a. I was asked a lot of skeptical questions, but eventually that stopped. The guys in my class did not really give me a hard time, although they have told me since that they gossiped about me. <laughs> I, I do not even want to know what they said. So after that, my life was pretty much like any other engineering student. Um, a lot of late nights writing up lab reports using a slide rule. I hope anyone listening knows what that is. It has nothing to do with baseball. <laughs> I I don't even think I know. <laughs> you don't know what a slide rule is? Oh, dear. <laughs> we use a word now. <laughs> it was, uh, we in those days, there were not even uh, simple calculators to do arithmetic. Uh, well, there were, but they were very, very expensive. So a slide rule was... Um, it's, it's a rule that has a bar that slides and it was used to do arithmetic. So you, if you were gonna multiply two, two numbers, you put the two numbers, uh, kind of lined them up in, on the rule and got an answer. Uh, you had to keep the, um, the decimal place in mind because it didn't calculate the decimal place. But anyway, it was, um, it was, uh, well, not hard to use, but it was just, it was so slow, <laughs> you know, and especially with lab reports and, you know, we have all these measurements that we took and, and have to go through them all and calculate using the slide rules. So, anyway. yeah. And now we can 
I can like Google search uh, an arithmetic expression and get an immediate answer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when we were in our fourth year, some of us used to go to the seats after class on Fridays. In those days, it was called the CPR Hotel. I think it was our class who named it the seats, actually. Oh anyway, they, in those days, they had a men's beverage room and a women's beverage room. Men could only go to the women's side if they sat at the same table as a woman. So there would be seven or eight of us crowded around one little table drinking 15 cent glasses of draft beer. Oh my goodness. Uh, so, and were you the only, the only girl? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, the, they could only, they could only go there if they sat with me. So you know, we had this little table that was about a foot in diameter. Oh my gosh. Anyway, <laughs> um, I have remained friends with many of my classmates especially the ones in the Toronto area. So in the end, I have to say my experience is the only woman in my class was a positive one. That's awesome. That, that's really great to hear. In regards to seeps, that is still a bar that is open in London and is habited by a lot of the engineering students, but we call it just the seeps. I didn't know that it was um, the hotel that you were, that you referred yeah, to. Yeah, it was a CPR before. hotel. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Glad to hear that's still, it's, well, it's still around and it's been kicking for a long time. All right. So continuing on your timeline, when you graduated, what were your next steps and what was the experience like getting a job after graduation? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I was born at the right time. Um, when I graduated in 1966, there were many job opportunities. Uh, and companies actually competed to hire engineering graduates. Oh, so wow. finding a job was not hard. Um, I took a job with IBM where I spent most of my career. What did you, what did you do at IBM? Well, I was a systems engineer. And um, when I graduated, there were no computer science classes at all. Uh, we took... We took a Fortran course, I think, when we were in our, our um, third year. So IBM hired engineers and math graduates and trained them themselves uh, in computer technology. So next question, what did you learn while working as an engineer in the industry? Engineering teaches you many things. And one of the things is you learn how to learn, which is very important. And um, any engineer has to be able to learn a new technology or changes in technology because everything changes so fast. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's one good thing is that, uh, is that uh, you learn how to adapt and, and uh, adapt to changes in your, in your technology, even if you're practicing as an electrical engineer, I think you are. Um, yeah. You know, things are going to change more quickly, probably, than they did in, in my time. So, Well, of course, in addition to the uh, technical knowledge, um, I also learned professional skills, such as um, how to work with other people, uh, how to present ideas in a clear manner, and how to teach uh, technical skills. Did you find in school... Did you like, did you feel that your undergraduate did set you up for success 
in those fields or was a lot of that learning actually done when you started working in the industry? Well, <laughs> there's nothing like real life <laughs> to teach you these things. So yes. <laughs> I would have to say it was when I started to work that, that I really developed those skills. Yeah. Next one. What is some advice you would give your younger self and current engineering students looking back on your career? Well, I could spend a half an hour <laughs> on that topic, <laughs> but I will try to summarize it. So I would say do your job well. Uh, that's probably the most important thing. If you make a mistake, and everyone does, admit it readily and take responsibility. Do not let anyone dismiss your ideas without having a logical reason. Avoid personality conflicts. Uh, stay healthy and give back to the community uh, by volunteering or giving financial support to causes you believe in. Uh, you know, it's a privilege to be an engineer in Canada and nobody gets there by themselves. There's a lot of support. So uh, it just makes sense to give back somehow to the community. Uh, I definitely agree with that. There was a lady I I interviewed a few years ago, her name is Sarah Shortreed. She's an alumni of Western as well. And that was one thing that she really emphasized was that once you're, well, when you're a student, but also once you start getting into your career that you should be involved in volunteering. And if you can do donate to various organizations, that was something that she, she really, uh, I guess, um, wanted to promote. Yeah, you can always make time for volunteering. I confess that when I um, when I was working full time, I didn't do any volunteering. Um, and uh, I could have, you know, uh, you know, a couple hours on Saturday morning or something like that. I always supported various organizations that I believed in. But um, it was really only after after I after I retired that I started volunteering. And um, it's such a worthwhile effort. You know, I, I wish I had done it earlier. Yeah, I think like with volunteering, a big, um, I would say barrier is that a lot of people think it takes a lot of time, but there's so many different organizations that need volunteers and, and it can be like um, Saturday morning or even just every once in a while you like you're a volunteer for an event. So it's not, it's not that difficult um, or even that time consuming to volunteer. It's more about, I think, educating yourself about what you can actually do. Yes, I think um, high school students in Ontario now have to do volunteer work to graduate. I'm not sure if that's correct or not, but so they learn. Well, that didn't exist when I was a student, a uh, high school student, and um, but that gives them an introduction. So you know they know a little bit about volunteering and where they can volunteer and what you know what they want to do. So that's yeah. a good thing. It would be interesting to see if universities would have something like that where you would require some volunteering to graduate. I don't think that's an actual requirement, at least not that I know of, um, but it, it would be nice to see it continue because I, I think um, in university, some people or most people can be more individual, individual minded. So they forget about volunteering and, and that, that part of, I guess, being a good person. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to talk about the organization that you volunteer? With? Well, in my volunteer work, I do two major things that are quite different. <laughs> uh, one is I visit a deaf blind man twice a week. 
I've been doing that for 18 years since I retired. And um, he, uh, he doesn't see, hear, or, or speak, uh, but he's very intelligent. And um, I communicate with him through a hand language called two-hand manual, which is actually quite easy to learn. And uh, so that, that is, uh, that's the one thing I do. And the other thing is uh, I've become an active in animal rights uh, and I'm a director with the Canadian Coalition for Farm Animals. And we, we work on improving the lives of farmed animals to improve the conditions that farm animals are, are raised in, transported, slaughtered, that kind of thing. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Well, I would encourage anyone uh, when they graduate uh, to apply for a professional engineer's license uh, as soon as you're eligible. Um, it, it's a very prestigious uh, designation, more so than even your, um, your degree, right? It's, it's recognized and um, it, it indicates not only uh, your knowledge and your capability, but also your character. So I use it, I'm retired now, uh, but I've kept my license as a retiree. Um, and I use it even now in my, in my um, volunteer activism uh, uh, work, you know, on letters that I write to uh, government or industry leaders or, you know, people like that, or sometimes just ordinary people, um, it seems to, uh, it seems to have an impact. So, so, uh, as I said, I, I would encourage anyone to apply, uh, as soon as, as soon as you're eligible. It's a very prestigious, yeah, like you're saying, prestigious title, and it does add, I think some, like you're saying, importance to whoever you're writing to. And, um, for like designs or any engineering work in Ontario, if you are the one signing off on it, you have to have the professional engineering yes. license. Yes. yes. Yeah. So it, it, it can be a very valuable thing to have. And then just for, I guess, our listeners, our students, um, we take ethics in our last year of school. And mm -hmm. then you can take the professional engineering, I think, ethics exam relatively shortly after you graduate. So that's something that I've, I've talked with friends and um, older, I guess, like engineers, and they've always recommended doing the ethics exam as soon as you can while, mm -hmm. the, like, while the ethics course is still fresh in your mind. Uh, when I first applied, we didn't have to write an exam. Um, we could apply within two years of graduating. And um, we actually just had to get references from uh, people we'd work with or people who had known us during our lives. So. Um, it was a little easier. <laughs> you, must, you must think my whole life was much easier than yours is. And no. in, some, in some ways it was, but there was, don't forget the slide rule. <laughs> yes. That was a hard part. <laughs> yes. I, I think that's probably like the, I think the biggest transformation is like, you probably didn't, not many people owned a computer, less a laptop a long time, like a, not too long ago. And now like, I have a laptop and iPad and a cell phone and I use all of them for like school and that kind of stuff. So it's crazy the technological advancement and what we actually can use in school now. Yeah, there was, well, there was nothing like that, you know, and when we were, when I was at Western or even after I graduated, like we used, 
when I worked for IBM in the beginning, we had what we called mainframe computers that that you know we we programmed and they would do things like payroll and accounts receivable and that kind of thing. But there was no no nothing like an interactive computer like a PC is now. Yes. Yeah. Is it in like a, a room? Like it's just a room full of computers? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was always cold because uh because they had to keep computers cold. I yeah. spent many, many hours in a computer room waiting for something to finish because in those days computers were slow. <laughs> we sometimes <laughs> had to wait, you know, three or four hours or maybe eight hours for something to finish. And uh, so that's how it was then. <laughs> That, that's crazy and yeah I, I think we're uh sometimes we need to remember that our generation is very lucky because everything is almost at the like touch of our our fingers so it's a big big comparison oh about the png license we have to do or there's um like an experience kind of record as well so we do have to get our bosses that are professional engineers or a co-worker that is a professional engineer so now it's an uh, ethics exam as well as that like reference of work experience and that work experience has to, I believe it, it's four years um, before you can actually get your license. So it has changed since when you would have gotten it, but not necessarily in a, in a, I guess, bad way. Like the ethics exam is pretty important after we've had so many like engineering disasters or I guess other engineering issues that it's become significant enough that we now have an exam on it to make sure that we are capable of acting ethical. Mm -hmm. Yes, well, even now as a retired engineer, I have to go through, every time I renew my license, I have to go through an ethics module. It's not really an exam, but, and, and I don't know if, I don't know if they take my license away if I didn't answer the questions right or not, but anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just the entry. Well, hopefully it's it's just the entry into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really cool to actually find you because I had just the I guess the inception of this idea was I was looking at the women in engineering like we have like statistics on our website that I don't even know who wrote them. But it talked about that the first female engineer she graduated in 1966 and I actually went to the graduating class picture in mm -hmm. Spencer Engineering Building. And that's how I found your name. <laughs> yeah, well, it was my main name then. Wheeler was yes, your yes. name, so I guess you know that. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, I, don't worry, I found you. <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, it's great to great to meet you. It's, um, it, was, it was cool to, to go from like, uh, only knowing a year to actually meet the person that um, kind of started at, at Western for us some background like we have like female engineering students now it's not like it's still I believe it's about 20 percent of the classes but I never feel like I'm uh, alone in my classes it's uh it's a bit different now but in a good way I think yeah yeah so I would like to say thank you to Vicky for giving us the time to get to know you better and for all of your insight with that thank you to everyone for listening until next time, Western.